0: We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino, and from the capital of the South, it is my extreme
1: pleasure to bring you run atl podcast i do not do it alone we have made a friend in dolomite dave martinez d2 joins us once again in fact he's settling in right now hello d2
0: hello and good to be back always great to be on the podcast with our listeners
1: it is, and D2, to use an expression that will come up again and again and again, but rightfully so. Today we are going to get after it. We have an impressive featured conversation. Today we bring the esteemed Carrie Tollifson on to our airwaves. She is, for those who do not know her, a bit of a returning guest to the Run ATL podcast last year or so, I had the opportunity to run against her in what was a treadmill challenge. I do not say it where I am ashamed that she beat me. She, You were there, D2, ended up stacking up more mileage in the same amount of time than what I did. But I guess that's what happens when you go up against an Olympian. She was... In the 2004 Olympic Games in the 1500 she also is an NCAA champion both in cross country as well as in the indoor 3000 meters and outdoor 5000 meters she's continued to have an influence in our sport she now is a broadcaster oftentimes doing some of the bigger races and doing special stories. She also has her own podcast, one that I have become a big fan of. See Tolly Run. We'll certainly include that link for you so you can learn more about her and start to see all the cool things that she's doing. One of the things that you'll hear us talk about and it connects the two of us. She is so good as a busy, busy person, mom, spouse, and business person and yet she finds time for her pedestrian active lifestyle still to this day she holds a summer distance camp every summer for teenagers so she has this wide ability to connect with an audience of every single age and of so many backgrounds and we do pull out d2 as you know some of the differences in this conversation of where we live and what is necessary to get the most out of our training. One of the things that's cool about Carrie, she continues to reside in Minnesota. So at this time of year, the conditions for a pedestrian active lifestyle sometimes can be quite challenging. She talks about that. D2, I would be curious. I don't want to put you on the spot, but every once in a while, you know I will. When was the most difficult experience you can recall? Of having to say, yes, I am going for it on a run or a walk. Let the conditions be damned. It is not going to hold me
0: back. Um, so for me, it was you know probably about a month ago, and it was right after my marathon. And oh, recent. Yeah, recently. So it was during that time where the, it was a polar vortex, and Atlanta just was expecting really cold temperatures, and I think it dropped into the 20s. And, you know, I was itching to go out for a run after, you know, tape, you know, or recovering and the temperatures got low. I think it was maybe about 26, 28 degrees and I just really wanted to go out for a short run even if it was going to be three miles and I bundled up and went out and, and I felt great. So, you know, and for me, I'm a wuss when it comes to, to to running in the cold, but, you know, it wasn't raining. It wasn't, you know, snowing. It wasn't sleet. It was dry. So, Um, It actually felt good to go out there and kind of stretch the legs after running a marathon.
1: Well, I'm sure you felt even better afterwards that you had conquered something that you might not have felt like you had conquered if it had been a perfect spring day. When we release this episode, we will still be in the March to spring. We will not be there yet. It starts to be where we look at some days where there's way too much gray in our skies, way too much rain in the upcoming forecast. And yet we have a decision to make every single day, go for it or shelve it. D2 is someone who obviously post-marathon made the decision to go for it. What would you maybe counsel me
0: and others as some advice so that we do that more often than not? I mean, it's, it's really that mental, uh, you know, just getting over that mental hurdle of saying, oh, I'm going to be cold, I'm going to be uncomfortable, and... You know, the great thing about, you know, the, the, the technical wear that, that's available now is that you really don't have to layer a lot. If you get the right gear, um, you know, you can go out in, in, you know, sub freezing temps, you know, 28 to 32 degrees with a nice, a good base layer and a nice, you know, windproof jacket. And, you know, within, you know, your first mile, you'll be warmed up and you won't feel quite as cold as you thought you would. And there's just a certain satisfaction of going, yep. I'm tough. I got out there and I did it.
1: And you always feel better, as you indicated. You did not intend to do this, I know, but you did it perfectly when you mentioned the gear. That is an important consideration. Big Peach Running Company actually has kind of a tail end of winter sale that makes it easier and less expensive than ever to do that. I won't disclose the details right now. We'll save that for post-interview. Let's get to that interview we'll take a very quick break we'll bring you the one the only our friend and yours Carrie Tollison, right after this
0: brief message you've got the right shoe for you but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy the source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing cotton is rotten You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Balega, Swiftwick, and Nginji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles, it doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. Keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company.
1: And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. It is always fun for me to bring friends onto this little audio broadcast. And that's what we're doing today. We told you in our intro that we have a multi time NCAA champion, we have a multi time national champion, we have an Olympian in our midst. And without further ado, Carrie Tollefson, welcome. To the Run ATL podcast. And thank you so much for being part of this today.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, to, my love of Atlanta is is still, I'm, I'm learning about so many different people in Atlanta and I just love it. It's kind of like becoming a second home to me. So this is
1: great. Well, we would welcome you being here. Any, <laughs> we would declare proudly that Carrie Tallison's second home is Atlanta. So just know that we will do nothing to stifle that thinking. You were in Atlanta. Not too long ago, Carrie, doing something yeah. pretty cool with the Atlanta Track Club. For those who might not have seen that headline, why don't you share that with us? It's a good place to start.
2: Yeah, it was my second year. I was um, one of the two MCs, Jay Holder, who works for Atlanta Track Club, and I were the MCs for the All-Metro uh, Awards. So last year was my first year giving out awards Saw all the awesome high school athletes and recognizing the cross-country athletes at that time of the year. They do a track event in the spring as well. Um, but I was back again in December for that. And, you know, just to be around the youth and to see the excitement that they have for this sport. They're so young. They have so much to look forward to, um, you know, whether they compete again in high or in college or as a pro or not. You know, this sport is a lifelong sport. So it's fun for me to just kind of, you know, chat with them and hear their excitement again. And to remind me that this sport isn't going anywhere. It's just as exciting as it was when I was 17, 18 years old. And, um, you know, I love being around the new, the new generation
1: of runners. Well, I think that helps keeps all of us a little bit young, whether it's in our running or just in our mindset as
0: mm-hmm.
1: a track and field season. Now, as this airs, we're certainly in the thick of that. And we've had the good fortune of being at numerous schools. And when I've been in those environments, I know I feel more youthful and feel more enthusiastic. So it's really cool That you're doing that. And one of the things, Carrie, that you've always done so well is be able to take a very unique and very elite background, such as yours. Again, for those of you who are just getting to know Carrie, she was on the U.S. Olympic team in 2004, a five time NCAA champion, a national champion, three different times. So we're talking about that pinnacle of success as it relates to our sport. But what we're not talking about is someone with an elitist attitude or someone who is so self-consumed that he or she is unable to share who they really are and to connect and relate to others who are just trying to get the most out of every step they put forward or wherever this sport may land on their list of priorities. And I think that time most recently in Atlanta sets us up for a couple of questions, Carrie. You also mentioned recently – celebrated a birthday i'm smart enough to know to not tell everyone <laughs> which one it was but recognizing that 2004 was a number of years ago now stop and, it well i just telling <laughs> them, doing own math and my goodness 2004 was special to big peach running company because that was the year we were incepted so maybe mm-hmm. i can convince myself it wasn't that long ago when you think about all of the people you still interact with, your own podcast, things that you're doing where you're doing broadcasting for big networks and smaller, you're immersed in the sport perhaps like you've never been. What is it that really gets you out about staying as involved as you are in this sport when it's entirely different than what you were doing in 2004, whether that was just a few weeks ago or whether it was really a <laughs> few Yeah,
2: you know, I think the sport in general just brings me so much um, positivity in my life. It gives me, you know, a sense of worth. I mean, I'm not one that's winning races anymore, but every day I go for a run, I feel like I've accomplished something. It gives me confidence. It gives me drive and focus and um, determination in a different way. You know, everything is different for me now. Um, I'm not competing as much anymore, if at all, um, I'm raising three children. I'm running around with my head cut off being mom. And, uh, I have all kinds of different careers, I guess. I mean, it's not just one career. I feel like I have a bunch of different careers right now, uh, cause I wear different hats all the time. So I just think that the run for me is my constant besides my family. And I feel a little lost if I don't get it. And now I don't get it every day anymore. I you know, run maybe four to six times a week. Always have a day off, um, but it still is sort of that that thing that you know gets me going a little bit so i 'm so thankful that i 've been able to build a career around my running career and um, and have different if I can say that if that 's the right word careers because of it. you know I was speaking last weekend, I do TV work I have done some print work i 've you know been able to coach and um, just to be able to have this common thing with so many people at every different level has been just a blessing in my life. So I owe a lot to the Rod.
1: Well, and I I know you do. And we said at the onset, in again, in our introduction, this is an episode we're titling, Get After It. It's a phrase that you've used regularly. More importantly, it's a phrase that you've lived out. And one of the things that we want this conversation to be is very well-rounded because I truly consider you an expert in so many areas. I think you perhaps would be the first to admit and say, well, look, I don't know everything, or I'm not even going to suggest that what I do know or what has worked for me or where I have seen or found success would work for everyone. But I've got a number of areas that I would just like to kind of get you to drill down into, because these are the Mm -hmm. things that I know D2 and I and our audience are thinking about. So let's start with what you just said. You use the phrase running around like a chicken with your head cut off. (laughs) We have a tremendous number of parents who listen to this Yeah, parenting and running. Give us some insight there on how we can connect the two and be better at both when we do so.
2: Well, I think, you know, you learn a lot from running and I was a runner before I was a parent. So, you know, whether they're college kids or high school kids learning, you know, the run for me has been able to give me schedule and, um, I know how to do that in life. You know, when I was in college, I was on my own. I didn't have my parents right there uh, okay. saying what I needed to do. So, you know, I had to work around my runs. I had to figure out how to stay on top of my grades. I needed to have a social life. I needed to stay healthy. I mean, all of this scheduling so I could be a great athlete and a great person happened young. And I've used those skills that I learned in college and in high school to sort of build a life and. I think again when it comes to building um a profession outside of the running world or off of the track I should say not using my legs so much but maybe more my voice now I've been able to use those life lessons I learned in the sport but now as a parent I still go back to that you know there's tough days where I'm thinking how did I make it through 6 by a mile at 5 minute pace with 2 minute recovery well How do I make it through three kids melting down at five o'clock? If I can handle six by a mile that fast, I can handle three kids. So I just always am thinking of, maybe I just always am thinking like the athlete. And again, I mean, the people that I coach, I coach newbie runners that are, you know, not, they've never run a 5K before. And I try to just use that mentality that they are athletes too. And some people are new to the athletic world, but we have to find that fire, that makes us want to be better. And you have to find that drive and that focus and that goal setting. And um, what takes, what took for me to be a world-class athlete is the same thing that's gonna make me be a world-class human being. So I just kind of try to always go back to that and, and think about the, the road that I traveled to get to the Olympics. It wasn't easy, there was a lot of ups and downs. And I know from here on out, I'm gonna go back to those moments, but I know I can handle most of life challenges.
1: What a great phrase, the pursuit of being a world-class human being. Mm -hmm. One of the things you said that I've said many times to other people, and I'm not so sure they receive it particularly well, but I don't think that means it's any less true. And you alluded to it when you were running perhaps at the pinnacle of your elite career, and that was the importance of being able to manage a schedule and time management and being hyper-organized so you could fit it all in. And I've said to people who tell me, I don't have time to run for my exercise. My comment to them has been, if you find, make, and keep time for your run, I believe maybe even more so than the improvement in your physical or cardiovascular health, your improvement in your overall time management skill will be the benefit of you getting started with and sticking to a running routine. And it sounds like You have evidence historically in your own life that would suggest that is true because it's still paying dividends to you all these years later when you're not thinking about the Olympics the same way you were back in the new millennium.
2: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are days where I'm totally flustered and I talk to my husband about this a lot. Um, You know, being in broadcast and being in maybe out there a little bit more so in the public eye. I mean, I, I come across, like I have this smile on all the time and everything looks like it might be peachy keen, but you know, there's times where I kind of crumble in my own four walls of my house and think, how am I going to put one foot in front of the other again? Like how am I going to travel this weekend, but yet get home for this basketball game of my daughters or my little guys or you know, how am I going to do this stuff? And at the end of the day, I figure it out and I have a great husband that, you know, helps me and we have this great teamwork, but, um, you know, I'm human just like all the rest of you guys. Like this is hard. Life is hard. But I just truly believe when I look at myself in the mirror that I can handle hard things. And I'm not always gonna win every race. I'm not always gonna be an awesome broadcaster or have an awesome speech. But you know, I think everyone can relate to the, the juggle is a struggle, right? And um I'm just trying to live my life the best way I can. And and actually I'm more concerned about the three people in my life that are look up, looking up to me as a mom and just making sure I try to be, be the best I can be for them.
1: Awesome. Well, in another area, Carrie, where you have done a tremendous job of influencing others is even though you're known for your running, even though you are so deeply connected to the sport of running, as you progressed, you now, I believe, are a voice that there are also other exercises that should be taken into account so that we can age sensibly, that we can stay connected to running meaningfully. And Mm -hmm. I go and I look at some of the videos that you've done and that are so helpful. They're connected to things like planks using strength training talking about core work or even certain implements that are part of an exercise routine like dumbbells or stretch bands or TRX equipment. Would you give us a little bit of a sense on the role that you believe exercise that is non-running or fitness that is non-mileage plays in a healthy lifestyle as well as maybe that pursuit of being the greatest human being that you can be?
2: You know, it is a, that is one of the hardest things for me to figure out in my life. Um, I love to run. You know, if you could give me 15 more minutes a day to get in two more miles or another mile and a half, whatever it is, like I would love that. But you're so right. Like we have to make sure that we pay attention to our body. And I think that's mainly what I do. You know, I notice some aches and pains along the way, and then I kind of tweak my workouts for that. So, you know, for instance, I, my back kind of gets bad. And I think it's probably from having all those babies. And so that's the first sign that I'm like, I need to get in the gym and get my core workout in. And you know, it might be a week where I'm, I haven't gotten one in and I'm like, Oh, no wonder why I'm achy. You know, I travel a lot. I sit in airplanes and, um, you know, just being crunched up on in an office space, you know, those kind of things, they kind of wear on your body more so than I think the actual run does. It's like the everyday living. So, I think if we, if I can tell you guys one thing and just be pay attention, you know, if you're having headaches or if you're having a shoulder pain or, you know, your knees bugging, you pay attention to that and get on it fast. And for me, a lot of, you know, the, the way to take care of those pains is to get back in the gym and to do those little things, to, to lift a little bit, to focus on my core, to stretch um, and, and I don't do it for very long, Mike, I do it for maybe 10 to 15 minutes, one to two times a week. You know, I, like I said, I'm a runner. I'm going to get out there and run as much as I can. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but if I have to get in the gym, I'm going to be a very concentrated and I'm going to do it fast and get in and out.
1: Awesome. When you're there, you're there. You're not going to yep. make it out of that, but you're also not going to just go through the motions and expect it to make,
2: no, I mean, I, I really believe in kind of having your your heart rate up high is, or not high necessarily, but up and I don't really like to, you know, waste time. So I'm moving from machine to machine or exercise to exercise. And even my, when it comes to my runs now, a lot of them are short and fast and I try to do one long run a week. So everything is fast in my life. It always kind of has been. People always tease me about that, but, um, you know, I don't have time for that. That kind of hanging around waiting to do another set type thing anymore. I just got to get in and get out.
1: Well, and I don't know that you intended this, but I'm going to call this out. <laughs> for those who have perhaps said or know someone who regularly says, I don't have time for exercise or fitness or going for a run, Carrie gave us a great thing to think about there, where it's one of those areas of our life it doesn't have to be this incredibly lengthy, even daily commitment if you can crank up the intensity for 30 mm-hmm. minutes and just acknowledge, it's like, no, 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 this isn't about me. This is about getting it done, getting it scheduled and making the most out of those 30 minutes to give me the maximal benefit mm. be somewhat liberating for that person who feels like he or she needs to set aside 60 to 90 minutes, six or seven days every mm-hmm. single week.
2: Yep. You know, and I think we don't have that time anymore. Right. So, in there's days where you have off. So you kind of, for me, I look at that as I work hard the days I have time to work out. And then when I'm crammed and I have meetings and things, then I'm okay with a full rest day because I know when I work out, it's purposeful. There's something behind it and I get it in.
1: Well, and, and you do. And that's the thing. And I'm going to take this back to get after it. And she just said, I know. But she didn't say I know. The way I say, I know. She said, I know. <laughs> those of you who have not yet gone to TollyRun.com and you're getting to know, Carrie, for the first time in this episode, you can probably tell that Atlanta, now declared perhaps as her second home, is behind the great state of Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes. We are in winter. Even in Atlanta, we a lot of rain. We're in the midst of 30-something right now as we're taping this episode. There are a lot of people. It's amazing to me having a big Beach running company now for over 15 years that every year, February, is our slowest month of the year. Now I know there are less selling days, but it's primarily because there are just less people who are getting after it. You get after it all year round. What's the temperature in Minnesota right now as I complain about 30 here in Atlanta?
2: You do not want to ask. It is going to be like the Ooh. coldest six days of our life. Like, um, I don't I don't think that's the case, but of this year, it's uh, right around zero today. I think it's like six or something, but no joke on Saturday, I think it's negative 12. It is just terrible.
1: Oh, that, I mean, that sounds terrible. You need to make your second home, perhaps your first home. home. <laughs> I know. But the reason I bring this up is I don't know how to get everyone out of the doldrums of not necessarily sticking with it or likely to get after it at this time of year. But you do it, and you do it in conditions that are far worse than Mm -hmm. what we're looking at out of our studio window. So please tell us how you do it and give us some insight, recognizing that the fact that you may still be out for a run when it's minus 12 this weekend takes some kind of commitment that has to have some value to the rest of us.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid of a treadmill, to be honest. You know, I had a really bad fall right before the Olympics, actually, the January of 2004, where I slipped over a snow. I stepped over a snow drift and slipped and did the splits. And it was uh, actually, it was a really bad injury. I was very injured at the Olympics, to be honest. And um, I had surgery in '07 for it. Trying, I tried to kind of just work my way around the surgery. And it was tough for those three years. But um, yeah, we do bundle up and we head outside. I didn't today because we got a a pretty good layer of snow overnight and it's, and it's slippery out there. So I get nervous, but, um, I would have to say just finding that good gear, you know, um, for a long time I was against the face mask and now I'm like, why did I do that? I probably wrecked my face and got all kinds of wrinkles because of it. So, um, you know, you have to just find the right gear, um, be smart about it. You know, when you're even in Atlanta, you have to be smart about if there's ice, if there's, you know too cold of conditions with rain but i don't think there's ever an excuse to not still get after it you know for me today i went and did 3 miles on the treadmill and i lifted a little bit and that was a great day for me i i have things to do this afternoon so it couldn't be a lo- it wasn't going to be a long workout but i think that every day no matter what the excuse is you still need to get in there and say okay i got to get something in and um unless it's like i said your rest day but being outside here in Minnesota, it does make us tough. I have always heard that the Midwesterners are tough and we are. And I know that when I come in from a cold day and I've, I've gotten after it outside, I am pretty pumped the rest of the day that I knew I was that tough to get out there and get going. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty um, neat to say that you've run in these kind of conditions before.
1: Well, I think that's an important call out because for people who elect not to improvise or elect not to go through with it, there's no real satisfaction that comes either immediately afterwards or later in the day. Yeah. But there is this added satisfaction. It sounds like on occasion for you, Carrie, when you come back in and you're like, you know what? If it would have been 64 degrees, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be in the afterglow of the fact that I just did that. But the fact that it was six or eight degrees, I just feel like I'm on top of the world because I conquered, yep. and it was something that I can take genuine appreciation for that others, unless they did it too, wouldn't be able to understand.
2: Yeah, it's a sense of just accomplishment, you know, already when you know you dared to do it and you did it. So there are moments when we are crazy here in the Midwest, and we're like, "Hey, let's just see if we're tough enough to handle it," and um, we're always thankful we did.
1: So I'm going to touch on that Midwest thing because I actually grew up in northern Indiana. Oh, in yeah. Northern Indiana, the conditions were perhaps not quite as extreme as what they are where you are in terms of temperature, but it was always gray. I remember calling my dad in college, and I would say, Dad, hey, how's it going? And he'd be, haven't seen the sun in 41 days because you get those gray, dark, gloomy, mm-hmm. cold, sometimes snow-filled days. And the thing about Indiana and why I wanted out so badly was unlike Minnesota, and I didn't learn this until later, we did Halloween and then we went inside and nobody saw us again until... (laughs) But in Minnesota, you're right. It is that tough Midwestern mindset. And I think about it growing up in Minnesota or Wisconsin, or I'll give some props certainly to the Michiganders, especially as you Mm -hmm. go forth in that state. If I'd have grown up there where everybody was outdoors and they were still running or snowshoeing, or going for a cross country or a downhill ski. I might not have ever left the Midwest. It was actually the lack of activity in the winter that was like, man, for somebody who's as hyperactive as I am, I got to go someplace where I can churn this out. One other thing as we think about your routine this time of year here, you mentioned how you would use the treadmill. It's no surprise to anyone that February is not going to be the best month weather wise anywhere domestically. You see. Yeah acknowledge it and then plan for it. If somebody says, my goodness, my child woke up sick so I wasn't able to run, that's a surprise and it's understandable. If somebody wakes up and says, well, it was six degrees in Minnesota today, that's not a surprise. It's been six degrees in Minnesota in February for centuries. So there's no surprise. (laughs) Right. What is true so that they do things differently if right now they're thinking, I'm taking time off until April 1st.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, then it's going to be a hard comeback. That's what I think, you know. Um, There are people that do it, and we have people in my family that do that every now and then, but I grew up with a family that, you know, we too enjoyed the outside and we lived right at like a half a block away from the ice skating rink. So we were down there every single day ice skating and, um, you know, just doing something fun. We were in the bath. We were playing basketball on Sunday afternoon. So we would get out and get going. But, you know, when you live in these parts of the country, you just have to embrace it. Otherwise, why be here? You know, we were kind of bummed because we've actually had super nice weather. We've had like 30s and 40s up until last week no snow. Like what is up with that? You live in Minnesota, you need snow. So we're actually kind of embracing a little bit of this cold weather. It brought a couple inches of snow this week. And I think the skiers are happy and, um, you know, the runners aren't so happy because it it messes up with our footing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think there's, it's going to be a tougher road if you take the whole winter off. I mean, you don't have to be as diligent and as focused maybe, but, um, just do something, just move your bodies.
1: What a great reminder for all of us, especially down here. You need to strap on the yak tracks up there because the snow is falling at <laughs> here. And yet you're right. My goodness. When April comes around, you've made it really hard on yourself unnecessarily yeah. Said that I love because I believe running can be full of enjoyment and should be very enjoyable. And it sounds like up there, you and your family especially, you find ways to still make it enjoyable. Yeah. And there's that available to all of us. Just because we do it one way in September or October doesn't mean we have to do it the same way or do everything identically in January, February, or March.
2: Yeah. You know, Mike, I think the big thing for me is, and I've learned this, you know, I used to run 80 to 100 miles a week. Uh, That's a lot. But now I'm running maybe 20 to 30. And I think the thing is, is I can just kind of, I guess, I don't know, encourage people to just remember that something is more than nothing. And we get so wrapped up in this 60 minutes a day that I think it's tough for people to understand that a 20-minute workout is still a good workout. And I really, that's my mentality and it has worked for me. So I hope other people understand that you don't have to be on this marathon plan all the time. If you are, great. But there can be these ebbs and flows in life where you might just be getting a little bit in. But again, a little is more than nothing.
1: Go back and listen to that again. Something is better than nothing. How's that when it comes to our pedestrian active lifestyle? Carry another area that I really admire your approach because it is mainstream enough for all of us to relate to it has to do with nutrition and has to do with balancing not just fitness and exercise, but also that truly healthy living and that is nutrition. I've seen some of the recipes that put out publicly for people to know all about or know that you're connected to. And sometimes they're even a dessert. I've seen some of the cooking that you've done. It's not where everything is without the presence of some calories and eight. So give us a little bit of an overview of how you approach, especially how that it's not just you. It's not just a hyper-focused cooking schedule. It's you. It's a travel schedule. It's a family to both feed, perhaps, and certainly eat with. What is your overview as it relates to nutrition, the role it plays in how you feel and your ability to get after it?
2: Yeah, you know, I think I take nutrition kind of as a grain of salt, if you could say that. Um, I like to eat. I like to enjoy what I'm eating. And I think of it as fuel is, or food is fuel. You know, I did that when I was an athlete, but I reward myself probably way more than I should. Um but I mean, Charlie and I, my husband and I, we're very simple. You know, we, we kind of eat the same things, but um, try to get our greens in try to make sure we have a little bit of vegetables, a little bit of fruit, um, but a lot of protein and carbs. I mean, that's just what we function on. So I think that's what I've lived my life like. And um, growing up, my parents were really good cooks and we all like to eat um, different cuisines and you know, we ate a lot of portions. Our portion size are huge. So uh, I should say we had big portions, um, but we we worked out hard. So I think the big thing for us and our family, when it, when it comes to nutrition, we think about what are we going to do to work these calories off necessarily, but not necessarily, but I think that we think about what we're putting into our body so we can have a great workout. Um, but again, I'm not too concerned with, eating a certain way, I just want to make sure I'm burning enough calories, making sure my muscles stay healthy and my bones stay healthy.
1: That's awesome. and It's so good to hear because not only are you very visible, you're so much more relatable, quite frankly, these days than if we were having this conversation 15 years ago. And knowing that you have these things going on in your life that all of us can say, even if that's not us exactly, We get how we can substitute what's going on in our own life for what's going on with yours and be able to say, I get it, or I need to take that into account. There are a couple of different subsets of persons that I know you're spending a lot of time with that I'd like to kind of tap into and get your thoughts on, Gary. First of all, I see so many images of you with kids, a lot of times around the sport of running where of the backdrop or maybe even foreground there are times where it may be more of an assembly type activity or where the setting is more of a conversation than it is a presentation but when you think Hmm. about your ability and quite frankly good fortune to influence children and the youth and those who are coming behind us i know you would say well these are the two or three things i traditionally tell them or i really hope they take from our time together. But I'd love for you to tell our audience what that is. And then I'm going to put you on the spot. and I'm going to ask you what you've learned. You're around probably more kids than a majority of our audience are. Certainly we're all around our own kids. And for those of us who have kids in school, we find ourselves at sporting events and in certain environments where we're around all of the kids our kids go to school with. But when you think about what you're still learning, I know Probably from everyone you come in contact with, but being around all those kids, what are you seeing or what are you learning from them? But first, what are the two or three things that you find yourself telling the youth on such a regular basis?
2: Uh, To get after it, obviously. That's my favorite saying, as you know. But um, I think the big thing that I try to tell these kids, I have a youth camp every summer here in Minnesota. And, you know, what I have learned again from this sport is just amazing. And this sport has not been... 100% One hundred percent easy on me, you know. I've had big injuries. I've had a lot of failures. I've had, um, you know, just a lot of things that I've had to. I've had to grow up fast and learn how to handle on my own. I was a. I loved playing basketball, and I loved being in a in a team sport in a sense that you know I really needed other people to make the game go. And um, you know, I I learned early on that I hated timeouts. I didn't want to take a timeout. I never wanted to sit on the bench and that's why running was perfect for me. I had no timeouts. I had nobody to help me. Um, I had to do it on my own. And if it's a runner that I'm talking to, um, which usually it is, you know, I just try to encourage them to really figure out what makes them tick in life, what it is about the run that makes them tick and to really, you know, let their life go because of it. I mean, I just, it's something that I've been so blessed to have in my life. And, um, I really believe the confidence that I have as a woman has come from being surrounded by runners and being in this sport. So when I'm with kids, that's kind of what I try to tell them. I mean, have fun, work hard, be coachable, be disciplined enough to take rest days, be disciplined enough to, to rest after the, wor- after the season, um, but also just to have fun, like I said. I mean, this sport can be taken away very quickly if you get injured, and so can a lot of other things in life. Um, and so I think we have to learn from the activities we're in. And when I'm around these kids, you know, you just see the fun that they have. It is a hard sport. The workouts are hard. You, you have to go into a different kind of pain to become the runner you want to be. Um, but it's fun to see them excited about that and being able to nail workouts or do better in races or to beat somebody they've always wanted to beat. Um, that really is truly fun. And I'm now coaching at girls on the run and um, to see that level that is such a fun level to see the excitement of the sport
1: well and now I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it because I know that your attitude and, and I get that like you said sometimes the juggle is a struggle <laughs> just connect easily with your enthusiasm your high level of energy perhaps that was part of why it was okay for me to take my punishment a couple of years ago when you bested me at the charity chase Regardless, <laughs> that enthusiasm is in Infectious, but we think about so many things that can be said or written about this current generation of youth and things that I just simply do not believe are true or need to be true. I know I'm learning from my own children when I'm at these schools, especially right now during track and field season, I'm just so encouraged, perhaps even inspired, by some of the things I see and some of the ways I feel when I watch the way they interact with our team or some of the things that they tell me that may have nothing to do with running. And despite what some might say about the next generation or my goodness, it's not like it used to be. I believe we're going to be just fine. These Hmm. young that I'm around, give me all the confidence in the world that, yeah, you know what? There's probably mistakes to be reported there are probably things that they would say even themselves they should have done differently, but that's no different than the way I was or probably all of us were. What are you learning from? Not just being able to share with, but learning from all of these kids who you get to be around that some of us might find surprising Mm -hmm. because what we do instead is listen to what the media might tell us or just read one headline that isn't necessarily reflective of an entire generation.
2: Yeah, I think that we have to remember that kids are sponges. And even though their faces might be down in there, um, you know, looking at their phones or whatever, they hear us. And I've learned that over the years of being a coach or having a camp or having my own kids. Um, you know, they they watch your every move and they listen to you in ways that maybe were different than when we were little. You know, I always think, I always listened to my parents Well, they are now informing me that no, I didn't. But, um, you know, I think that we have to be mindful of that, that the things that we say are heard and more so the things that we do are seen. And so I kind of always, I've lived my life like that. You know, when I signed with Adidas, I didn't sign anything that said I had to live a life a certain way um, for them to sponsor me. But when I wore the three stripes or when I still wear the three stripes, I'm representing a company and I'm also representing myself. And I sort of feel like I've lived that way. And I think about who is watching all the time. And it's not that I'm scared that I'm doing something wrong. I just want to be proud of who I am. And if somebody sees me on the street and says, Oh, I saw you walking by, I hope I'm living a life that would be, you know, one that I'd be proud of. So I just, I think that people need to understand that kids are they're They're paying attention, even if it might not seem like it. And this next generation is going to be awesome. I just have a funny feeling we have this big turn and how we need to treat ourselves and how people need to treat each other and especially for women. And I think that we're going to have a pretty powerful generation coming up and I'm thankful my daughter's a part of it.
1: That, that's awesome. And so true. What a great reminder also in terms of whether it's an elite athlete or a professional athlete who has an endorsement contract or not, we're all reflecting not just ourselves, but our associations. And mm-hmm it might be the state of Minnesota, it might be Big Peach Running Company, it might be a family name, but we are a reflection of all of those things with all that we do. So another group of people, Carrie, that you're very connected to is that elite athlete. For those of you who would say, well, how do I get more of Carrie?" Again, ctallyrun.com has so much, and you're just going to be able to fill yourself up with so much good <clears throat> has either authored or put out there, or what have you. And one of the areas that I ever got to know Carrie's personality was through the podcast when I first got tuned into it. And for those of you who follow the sort of running a little bit, if I say names like Meb, Delaney, Jackie, Ryan, Lauren, Jordan, you would know who I'm talking about. For those of you who would think of perhaps old classmates, your own children, coworkers, these names are at the top of the sport or have been at different times. And this is oftentimes the focus of the conversations that Carrie has on her podcast. And so Carrie, with such an awesome library of conversations and discussions you've had with those who are at the top of their game or certainly have achieved the pinnacle of this sport, what are some of the common threads that you have come to notice or observe about these people, these people who you've interviewed and what you can't call out in one episode as a constant theme or a consistent theme, but that you would now say having done this for as long as I have, after having had as many conversations as I have had, this seems to be pretty much a truth. Because it comes up again again. What would you share with us that is that common consideration that we could also learn or benefit from. Yeah,
2: I I mean just having you ask this question I'm, you know, I could just feel the the answer coming out of me because it is such a universal one when it comes to running and I think it's just the joy of the sport. I mean every time I talk to an athlete, uh it seems like they just find joy in it whether it's a great good season or a bad season. I mean they always kind of look at the glasses half full rather than half empty. Every runner, no matter what level, I feel like has that positivity in life. And, um, you know, there there are days that it's not easy and believe me, I've had them. Um, but I feel like this sport gives us so much more good than it does bad. And every single person that I've interviewed, whether they're elite athletes or not, I still find that. And I still kind of bring that out of them. And and also it just sort of bleeds from them. It's just kind of is an easy thing to hear is that they love this sport, the joy of it, you know, um, and what they've learned from it. I think the common denominator, though, is the community. And I think that that really is what stems from everything is that we have a great community with runners. Um, we're here for each other. Like I said early on in the podcast, uh, we rise each other up and we you know, pat each other on the back and we kick each other in the butt when we need to. So we have this kind of different teamwork and um, it's pretty special. And that's what I've loved about the podcast. I love to hear the different journeys of how people have gotten to where they are. Um, you also, you know, we get into the sort of the tribulation of the sport as well. But I think the the big thing that I walk away with every time after I get off of the phone with a podcast guest is Oh, how fun it is to hear their joy and their smile when they talk about the run.
1: That's awesome. And for those of you who could not come to this on your own, not only is she a great interview, she is an awesome interviewer. And I don't want to put you on the spot, Carrie, and suggest that you have to choose your favorite child, but I'm going to ask <laughs> a moment or perhaps a conversation you've had. Give everybody a little bit of a, of the type of discussion you tend to have. If there's that moment that you can say, here's a guest who I had, here's the direction the conversation went, or here's the comment that was made that just landed me on me in a way that I can't help but share. And I find myself retelling again and again and again.
2: Oh, that is hard. You know, I have three little ones at home and I was feeling bad just now that I talked about Ruby being in this great generation and not talking about the boys. But you know, I'm just at this point where she's at this age where she's really learning everything, and my little guys are just so much fun too. But um, to talk about my podcast in a way where I have one favorite, I don't know if I can do it.
1: Well, um, call it a favorite conversation or favorite guest, something that yeah. you think back. I can't, you know, I go to Charlie and I have I told you this yet? And I'm out, <laughs> or just find yourself recounting it on a regular basis. Yeah,
2: you know, I think that I always go back to the people that I've known long enough or long longest, I should say, um, and long enough to know their whole story. You know, for instance, we did just have Meb and Meb and I have been running the same races since 1993. And so we kind of bring out these and then maybe maybe doesn't even make sense to the people listening, but we're laughing and we bring out these stories that are from so long ago. And, you know, that is fun to have that friendship outside of the sport, even um, where, you know, I know I can call Meb up now and say, Hey, how are the girls doing? Or, you know, I got a question for you and he'd be there if I needed him to be there. But, um, I've also enjoyed going for runs. We do some interviews on the run and we're actually, where we actually just have a full on podcast with a, my audio guide, Tim is in the back on a bike and he is listening to us while we're running. And that has been super fun. So I'd have to say, those are my favorite. And I've done everything from, one of the mayors in Minneapolis to, you know, running with Gabe Grunewald and hearing her whole journey. Um, but yeah, I can't pick one. I really can't. I just love them all.
1: <laughs> well, so many good ones. And that does not come as a surprise that you wouldn't put one at the top. Again, for those of you who are curious to hear Carrie do the interviewing as well as see the guest roster. Easy to find. We'll certainly put, a link in our show notes. Carrie, as a final question, and then I'm going to have what might be the predictable way for us to go to a break, but as kind of a final question, when you think about your contribution to the sport already, and yet your full immersion for the sport right now, yes, very easy to make. That will be the case for many, many years to come. What do you want? When it is time to say, Carrie Tollison absolutely has a legacy as it relates to the sport of running and the pursuit of being the best human being she can what do you want that legacy to be? And the reason I ask is I think we all are likely going to be able to relate to this and maybe Mm -hmm. even apply it because we have to be responsible for our own legacy. And to your point earlier, this sport – does so wonderfully connect all of us together. Mm-hmm. Think about where you are today, where you've been, the wonderful reality that you'll continue to be around this sport for many, many years to come. When we hear the term legacy, mm-hmm. and we hear it specifically as it relates to you and the sport, what would you say you want?
2: Yeah, I think I'd like for people, if you know something happens to me tomorrow and they have to talk about me, I hope they say happy. Um, you know i have I think I walk away from every race, every workout, even if it weren't wasn't the best day ever, still with a smile on my face and uh, it might it one one day might take me two hours to get that smile, but the there's always a smile at the end of a workout or a race or a run or a meeting with someone that's talking about running, and um I hope I'm happy and I hope I'm kind. You know there's a lot of things that we can say from all of our own running resumes that were great. But I think that at the end of the day, it's the type of person you are. And this sport, like I've said a numerous times in this podcast, um, that it's given me so much, but it really has. It's given me a really fun life. And um, I know people are going to remember me as the runner, but I also hope they remember me as the happy runner that's kind and humble and willing to share, because I think that's what we have to do in life. Like I said earlier I think it's important to share with each other and, and to get the best out of each other. And so I hope if you um, ever see a a notice that I am now in heaven running on these beautiful <laughs> white clouds that you know I'm happy and you're smiling because of it. Because if something happened today, you can bet I'm going to be running anywhere that I'm at and I'll be smiling because of it.
1: Well, it will be the clouds, not the snowdrifts that you yeah. know, you're Way back. And pre-surgery and as you were preparing for the Olympics, I will tell you personally that that legacy is assured with me because prior (laughs) to really diving in to your running resume, you struck me and continue to land on me in a way that suggests you are so genuinely happy and so genuinely happy to share with others and to receive from others in and through the sport of running. And that was part of why I wanted to have this conversation, why we wanted to share you with our audience. So, my goodness, have you succeeded? And more importantly, living out your legacy every single day. And I hope you have many, many more of those to come. Keep it up for sure. And the predictable way we have to send our. <laughs> Gray outside. It is relatively cold, even in Atlanta. It is six degrees in Minnesota. It is February, the shortest day of the year, the year you're least light, or the month of the year you're least likely to see somebody beside you, or wherever you may go, whether it's to the gym or out for a run. It is likely to be that way for another four weeks in Atlanta, and maybe another eight to ten in Minnesota. The excuses, whether it is the struggle that comes with the juggle or the things that you may not be able to count on as predictable tomorrow or a few tomorrows from tomorrow. But nonetheless, there is one piece of advice that Carrie would give you that D two and I would heartily endorse as as we go to a break. Carrie, what is that advice?
0: Get after it.
1: Awesome, Carrie. You have to <laughs>
0: We'll be right back. It's winter and that spring half marathon or marathon will be here before you know it. As your runs get longer, you'll need additional fuel to power through those long runs and get you across the finish line. Everyone has different needs and tastes, so we recommend that you experiment with different gels, bars, and hydration products to see what works best for you. Stock up and save. Purchase 10 or more individual packets and save 10%. Buy a box and save 15%. Clubs and training groups can combine their discount for additional savings up to 25% off. Come into any Big Peach running company location and stock up so you're ready for those long runs. And welcome
1: back and thank you for joining us on the home stretch for this episode of the Run ATL Podcast D2. I alluded to it in our intro. I know it was not necessarily by design, but let us delay no longer. You indicated the importance, especially when we are going to conquer some some sub-zero or perhaps less than attractive conditions outside. Certainly still a possibility in the Southeast as we make our way through February and into March. Big Peach Running Company has a program going on. You recently started a communications plan to let as many people know about it as possible, why would we miss this opportunity? What is the program
0: so right now, all of our winter apparel is marked forty percent off, uh, so that 's all your you know, our major uh, name brands. Um, you can get your jackets, your base layers, your tights uh, all those uh, right now forty percent off till the end of the month, so end of February. But you know our most popular you know brand is our own Run ATL, and we're having a BOGO, a buy one get one free. So the details of that is you purchase any regular price long sleeve or hoodie and get a free singlet tank or short sleeve Run ATL shirt, or you can purchase a regular price you know quarter zip or full zip hoodie and get a long sleeve or any of the other lesser priced uh, shirts for free. So you can stock up for the winter and and get ready for the spring uh, when that rolls around, which is just right around the corner.
1: Well, one of the reasons I love in our little universe to do these sales, of course, and we're not going to hide behind the fact that every retailer does this as they change seasons, if they do have soft goods or if they do sell Apparel because as seasons change even if it's not just style certainly temperatures and what's most appropriate change So us putting things on markdown is not a huge shift for us as a retailer When we get to this time of year and it's probably not a huge surprise to anyone who we've had the good fortune of Having in our stores previously, but here's what's super cool We talk about the pedestrian active and here comes the term that is most impactful lifestyle pedestrian active lifestyle so when you know that yes next October when the temperatures again start to decrease or November December when you're pushing back against those holiday temptations or at least putting some mileage in alongside of them this gear is part of who you are in the next couple of months as we get to spring But just as importantly, it's who you will still be when we get to next fall, winter holiday. And now you will be able to say, I have the gear. And because I bought it in February, I paid less for it. I am ready to go. I'm going to do what D2 did and shared with us at the onset of this episode. And that is go out there. And as Carrie told us to do, to get after it. Now, this... Episode comes to a close, but what we want to be sure, you know, as we look into the future, our next featured conversation, the episode will bring you in just two weeks. We're going to have Dr. David Reichlin. That may not be a name that you immediately say, I know who he is. He's not that former Olympian that Kerry Tollefson is, but he is an indication that we listen when you send us a note, and you can do so at any time, podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. We got this suggestion from a listener. Personally, I had no idea who he was. I did some research, found what he is doing fascinating. And D2 and I reached out to him and said, listen, we got a request to have you on our little broadcast. Would you consider doing so? And looky there, the answer came back, and it was yes. Check this out. He is at the University of Arizona. He is in the Department of Anthropology. Now, use that as a setup for why he would be our featured conversation. And here's what you need to know. He is studying how a shift towards high levels – Of physical activity when we were truly hunter-gatherers in the past led to a physiological requirement for all of us to maintain perhaps even increase our own physical activity to this day in order to maintain the health of our organ systems whether that be our brain or our heart our musculoskeletal system all of that is so very much Connected. And now we listen to an anthropologist who is studying, even right now in Tanzania, those who are still hunting and gathering for their very existence and able to achieve standards, a lifestyle, and measures of health that far outpace what we're doing here in the U.S. or is recommended by our own Department of Health and Human Services. He is a fascinating individual. His work is groundbreaking, and I cannot be more appreciative for our guest who brought this individual to the forefront. We now have him coming to you as our featured conversation in the next episode. D2, that's just in a couple of weeks. Anything else you would say as parting words before you and I must move on to other tasks, but knowing that we'll be back together again
0: soon. As always, may your best miles be those covered on foot.